Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. Season four. Yes. As Lutha. Very excited. Yelped in the background. We are covering the season four premiere. Let's begin. And Lutha, do you want to catch us up on what we've been through the last eight to nine months that the oh show has been on? I don't even know what we've been doing with our lives. Seriously. Dodging spoilers. Mm-hmm. We are, I mean, we understand that the show has, at this point, been out on Netflix for weeks. Yeah. But we, you know, we had to visit our families for the holidays. We I had, had to... to mute the word silver. Mm-hmm. Just because I knew. I knew once I started that journey, I'd never be That's able to right. So off. we have, like, worked really hard to keep ourselves spoiler-free so that we can approach this fresh with, like, beautiful virgin eyes. And, and you know, we succeeded. And tonight, we got into it. Oh, Yeah. Okay, as usual, we'll start with the Netflix synopsis. Johnny and Daniel combine dojos, but their opposing styles immediately clash. Kreese tries to persuade a former partner to rejoin him at Cobra Kai. (sighs) Who could that former partner be? God. You know what? I'm glad. I, I mean, we've gone through like nine months of excitement, and I always thought, I mean, is there any way that they can intro Terry Silver in a way that wouldn't be a complete letdown? I think they succeeded. I mean, honestly, I want to start there just because... That's where the episode starts. Yes, that's what made this episode for me. So, we open to a very luxe condo somewhere in what? Southern California? It's it's like uh, Malibu, Malibu, maybe? Yes. Beautiful. Oceanfront views, all that. We see a silver-haired gentleman. In a red robe. Wailing away at the piano. That's not the right adjective. He's playing a beautiful, passionate symphony. Sonnet? To who? The ocean. (laughs) And we don't see his face, but we don't need to. No, we just see see that amazing mane of silver hair. Right. And we know. I mean... And we know. And he gets a call from from an an unknown unknown number. And he hears that voice, you know, that that smarmy crease voice. It's been a while. And Terry Silver, to his credit, hangs up without a word. Okay, and initial scene. feedback. I mean, I love it because Terry Silver is the most ridiculous character that's ever existed in this universe or perhaps any other. And I think it is so great to introduce him like wearing like a crazy red Hugh Hefner robe, like playing a grand piano in his apartment. Yes, obviously that's what this man does. And I love how much information they pack in just that simple scene. Like, yes, he's still fabulously wealthy. He's found time to direct towards other hobbies, not karate. Yeah, he can play the piano. And Kreese is not even in his phone. Mm-hmm. Kreese isn't in his phone, and he has no desire to talk to Kreese. So, bam, that's all you need. How did you feel about that? I mean, I felt, on behalf of Kreese, a sense of betrayal. Uh, not even non-buddy 69 or 68, whatever number. <laughs> I mean, look. I think that let's just let's get all the creasiness out right now. Or no, not, should we no should we way. do this chronologically? Um, I mean, crease is always there. He's in his shadow lurks in every single scene. I think that I was like kind of proud of Terry Silver. Like, good for you for like not keeping in touch with this like weird homeless man. Like, <laughs> we don't know that he's homeless. Kreese was he's... totally homeless at one point. I'm sorry, but he has enough money to take a bus, a plane, a car ride. 
Chris's financial situation has always been a little mysterious, but he was definitely homeless at one point in the series, and I do like when he does eventually, later in the episode, go to visit Terry and his manse. You can kind of see him taking it all in and maybe thinking about that time that, like, he was, like, actually, like, sleeping on the sidewalk. And, they, and yeah, that's how you realize, like, these two have grown apart. They're not the Nam buddies that they once were. I like this as a commentary on friendship because I think that's what the show does best is looking at how friendship can evolve and change. We have Eli and Dimitri and Daniel and Johnny and Crease and Silver. Yes. Who at the end of season three, we thought they had been forged in by, a snake pit in Vietnam. They've been trauma bonded by their war memories. Mm-hmm. But then if you actually like stop and remember the events of Karate Kid 3, you're like, oh yeah, all that stuff that they did might have had an effect on their friendship. Right. Maybe. Um, like, I consider us friends, I suppose, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but, you know, 30 years if, hence, who if, knows? If we went on a cocaine-fueled caper to, like, torment, <laughs> like, a 16-year-old for months, and it didn't even work out at the end of the day, I mean, maybe we wouldn't really be able to, like, look at each other. That's true. I mean... <laughs> maybe. Okay, maybe. We have to get into the carries. <laughs> yeah, let's like, just get into all There are so many nuggets of information we learned from just... The few scenes that he was in this episode. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this, the next thing... Yeah, let's just do the Crease and Terry Silver stuff. I feel like that's where our heads are at right now. So, like, the next thing we've got is Crease uh, going to visit Terry in his beautiful mansion, and there's a party going on. Yeah, it's, um, it's very tasteful. There's a lot of, like... It's got that, like, you know... There's a lot of, relax- like, SoCal ribbing in yeah, this exactly. scene. You know, he's... Terry Silver is dating a woman named Cheyenne, not married to her, but they're just on this journey together. Yeah, you know, an erotic journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Any journey Cheyenne, with Terry I Silver. I mean, they're just laying it on a little thick, I think. Cheyenne is creating a mindfulness app, which, I mean, it's, they're in California, so this is actually, like, not an unusual thing. Yeah. Every other person is creating a mindfulness app, okay? Yeah, that, that, that detail was, like... It only rang false for me because she's too late to the party. There's always like many. There's already many mindfulness apps out. Exactly. But okay, sure. Um, um, what do you think of Terry Silver's friends, or I guess party guests? We're introduced to a ginger fellow who uh, mentions that Crease has a Habsburg jawline, and like that. I think that's an insult. That yeah? is definitely an insult. That means you have a weak chin. And you, you look from like you're years inbred. And years yeah. of inbreeding. Yes. But you know, he says it like it's supposed to be a compliment, and Crease gives him kind of like a no homo look. You know, yeah. it's a bit. Um, I think that honestly, like I get how you're supposed to like look at the scene and be like, ah, Terry's hanging out with all these phonies. But you know, like they're a well dressed lot. That's nice. Yeah, Crease is like none vision. of them have abused fillers as much as Crease has. I mean, can Kreese, I say that Crease has few fewer fillers in this season premiere? Like he, his pout has been reduced to just a shadow of its former self. I don't know. Maybe it comes back later in the season, but I want to notice that up front. Yeah, the Crease pout. Mm, it's yeah. missing in action. Yeah, it's, we we still got like a bit of, uh, there's some filler at work, but not as much as last season. That's yeah, true. I mean, maybe he toned it down visiting his friend. Yeah. And he's found his friend has made some changes too. Terry Silver looks, looks great. exactly like the kind of person that's had like 40 years of being obscenely wealthy. Mm-hmm. And the work that he's had done to his face is excellent. Seamless. Clearly not working with, what do you think has happened to Dynatox? I'm sure I mean, we'll find out. I'm but... sure Dynatox is still like running. I mean, one of the no. Do you think someone eating tofu skewers and and 
possibly bankrolling a mindfulness app. Especially someone like that. Oh, that's true. I don't know what Dynatox does, except manufacture evil chemicals, I think. But, like... It's dynamic toxicity. Oh, wow. I don't know. That was just... Did you just make that up? Yes. I I thought you were for real for a second. But, um... (laughs) I mean, one of the greatest details of, like, Karate Kid 3 is that Terry Silver, um, karate dojo villain at large, is also, like, the CEO of a company called Dynatox. Um, but why not? Uh, and he takes a break, like, a sabbatical, basically, to torment Daniel LaRusso. But anyways, I, mean, I think I, he's still in charge. I honestly feel sorry for anyone who has not seen the third Karate Kid movie, because this episode includes, like, a few flashbacks to that movie where you see young Terry Silver in his old bathrobe making crazy phone calls, cackling to himself. And we find out, well, he's going to blame it all on the cocaine. But do you feel like that's plausible? Oh my God, it's so plausible. It's, it's, it's just <laughs> I know cocaine is a thing. hell of a drug, but <laughs> I mean, there's something else, right? Like, it's not just drugs driving you to... That's what Chris wants to think, because when he... Um confronts his old friend later uh, as the party's wound down. Terry's like in a in a moment of solitude. You know, he does that whole like, you've changed, man. You're eating tofu with a woman named Cheyenne. Remember when you used to be a killer, etc.? And Terry, Terry's response is so pitch perfect where he's just like remembering Karate Kid 3. He's replaying the movie in his mind and he was like, I was just so hopped up on cocaine then. I was tormenting a teenager for months because of a high school karate tournament. He still calls him Danny Boy and it still struck this like deep chill in my heart. I was like, I'm afraid for Daniel because I feel like, yeah, sure, you can dress a man up in a fancy Hugh Hefner robe. You can, you can let him play some piano sonnets. But inside. The animal's still there. The cobra is still there. The cobra is still there. I mean, I was kind of like, good for you, Terry, getting your life together after, like, that crazy fever dream that was, like, the year 1989. Right, and we don't know Um, how many years have elapsed. Oh, and he says this great thing when he's, like, talking about how that was a crazy cocaine-filled nightmare. It was the 80s. It was the 80s, man. Things went down. You can say that about any decade. (laughs) I thought drugs were linked to the 60s. But then cocaine Cocaine 80s 80s. is true. Um, And so the last scene is like Terry alone eating grilled vegetables, like with the saddest expression ever on his face. And, you know, and like Kreese made fun of his fancy new friends and like how he's like, you know, forgotten Nam, forgotten like the the animal inside. And like he goes down to the cellar because Cheyenne asks him to get a bottle of like fancy wine. And then you see him like suddenly recover the animal a little bit and then he like basically does a roundhouse kick to a bottle of red wine which i gotta say it's not hard to kick a bottle of wine i mean either of us could do it right now it's but i mean with that kind of style you know i mean it does splash in a really dramatic way yeah painting it's like blood right on the canvas with no shards of glass of his life yeah and so obviously i get you know Obviously, you knew he was going to join the fray, but, like, yeah, I I like what they did here, where it's just, like, Terry is not that eager to, like, partner up with his erstwhile homeless friend. Did you feel like it was a real about face? Because he's now, he says, you know, it was the drugs, it was all that coke, and I want to shut the door on Nam and this very dysfunctional friendship where, like, you've been mooching out. I don't know how Kreese supports himself, honestly, before this. He disappeared off the face of the earth, possibly homeless. And, you know, Kreese isn't even in his phone. Terry Silver's found therapy. He's found mindfulness, etc. But is he saying 
is that all just kind of like he doth protest too much? Well, and all Kreese has to do is kind of like activate him? I'm just wondering, like, we see Kreese in that position so many times, right? He's always like, activating people. Yeah, like Robbie, like Robo-Robbie, which we'll get into, but like at the end of season three... Kreese is... Mind manipulation powers like, or Jedi like sometimes. Up? Yeah. But I kind of wish that I was actually really like amazed that the show just alluded to him being on cocaine and then like had the gall to show clips from that movie where you're like, oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> He's like laughing to himself in a sauna. Um, I kind of wish that they'd been, they just said like, no, no, Terry has totally found enlightenment, except when he does drugs. It brings out the evil karate villain side of him. I would love that to be linked. I mean, if this were a soap opera, I could see, like, Kreese, like, slipping some cocaine. Like, you have to snort cocaine, right? I'm not a total rube. Like, yes. it, it's not like he could secretly drug him and be like, okay, now you're going to get your ass back well, to... Well, it's like he has a hard, a hard day at the Dynatox. He does a line he to calm no down. He has no hard days. And before... He, well, yeah. He's living a blessed life. He might be retired, actually. But maybe um, it's saying... He's lost connection with anything that makes him feel alive. Like, this is yeah. not the real Terry Silver. This is, like, the fight club that he needs to join in order to, like, feel something again. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And, like, dude, I mean, maybe you're right. He doth protest too much because it's, like, there's there's no amount of drugs that can make you, like, sneak down a teenager's chimney to, like, fuck with him, right? When and you're, when you think about like, it, like, all man. this stuff that he's surrounded by, the tofu skewers, Cheyenne, who he's just on a journey on, he doesn't actually have anything permanent you know grounding him it doesn't even seem like he particularly likes those party guests he's just kind of sitting there in the back seat of his own life and he used to be in the front seat god damn it with crease okay i guess he was in the front seat but he was shotgun in the front seat like, he guess. wasn't driving the car right right crease brings excitement and vitality to his life that's true actually yeah it's like Meeting up with an old flame and then realizing, like, man, you hurt me so bad. But we did have some good times, Oh, my God. We? I just thought, okay. So he's chilling at this. He's got this calm veneer. But maybe that's what those piano concertos were saying. Inside, he's torn about this friendship ending. And you know what? I found out what the theme of this. He's been playing away his pain. I know what the theme of this episode is. The theme is exes. Exes. Yeah. And these. so true. These are bitter exes. He lost the true friend that he ever had from Nam, and he's been trying to walk away from that pain. And he realizes, no, he needs closure. Mm -hmm. He needs karate. If that closure happens to involve being like a 60-year-old man tormenting a bunch of high school kids, then so be it. And let's be real honest. I mean, I'm happy for Terry Silver. It's nice to have a 30-year crease break. But, I mean, it was never real, okay? It's true. The life that he was living without crease... I mean... The beautiful, beautiful life that he was living think, with that crease. What was that? A dream? <laughs> That's not the Terry Silver we want. Yeah. yeah. His hair is not even in a ponytail, for God's sake. <laughs> it will be. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so speaking of exes, should we do Daniel and Johnny? Yeah. So, I mean, they... I, I don't know how to feel about this aspect of it, because there was a kind of heaviness to their interactions. I think... So the first scene, they open with them at Casa Daniel, um, who's, I guess, graciously offered his house. Okay, sorry, before we get into that, can we just do a brief aside? Yes. For poor, for the rest of the LaRusso clan. Oh, God, yes. And where the season finds them. <laughs> Amanda is a shattered woman, wine day drinking. I, I 
day it's drinking. Evening. It's evening. Sure, sure. It it's evening. five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> I love that. This poor woman has installed a security. What? See, yeah, like security several system. alarms. Yeah. Doesn't feel safe in her own home. But see, Amanda, I've always been very fond of as a character. I think I like her more than you do because, like, she's like the voice of reason, but I don't think she's a scold about it. Like, I think she's just like. Like, she's the voice of reason, like, in, in earlier seasons, she was, like, the sardonic voice of reason. But now you can tell that, like, this show, this show, this universe has broken her. It's like, she's like, wait, I'm, like, she actually recaps what is at stake this season, which is that they need to defeat Cobra Kai, led by Kreese, in a karate tournament to keep, like, their children safe. And you can tell she's just like, what the fuck? How is this? How is this a thing? And she's not. Wrong. I ask again, should we be watching for a divorce this season? Is that even something that we could hope for? Well, ever practical Amanda is like, the reason they can't go to the cops is because it would be another PR nightmare for their car dealership, which... Their their dealership is done. I mean, holy shit. I feel like we've been watching for three seasons. This poor business just flailing and it's and all the while daniel is spending every second jetting off to okinawa with more going on crazy karate quests cheating on his wife with like johnny warren's let's face face it he's having several emotional affairs definitely um yeah so amanda i don't blame her for day drinking she's just like realized she's a shattered woman yeah but despite being like the sane person on this show the one who was just like this is silly She's like, you know what? The universe has gotten to me. Like, we actually have to do this. We actually have to beat this pouty-lipped man in a karate <laughs> tournament in order for our children to be safe. Also, Anthony is there. Right. I, I'd yeah. like to give a shout-out to the show's writers for, once again, continuing the long tradition of showing a flash of Anthony being annoying and then cutting away. You know what? And maybe that's all we'll get this The season. kid who plays Anthony, I'm assuming it's the same one. He's grown up. He looks good. He, uh... He wields a baseball bat when, like, he and his mom think somebody broke into the house and it turns out it's just the alarm being faulty. You know, he doesn't seem as Anthony as he did before. We'll see. We'll see, I suppose. But it's always good to see it, buddy. So thanks for showing up. Every family needs a redheaded stuffed child. Speaking of which, can I go on another aside to your side? One of the things that has always been a strange thing about this show is that there are a lot of extras like, recurring extras, like, in both dojos, who never get names, often don't get lines, but they're just kind of there. So you're just like, who is that red-headed kid in Miyagi-Do? He's been there since the beginning, I think, but, like, who is he? And the thing is, there's, like, maybe, what, 15 kids at Miyagi-Do, which is not a ton. Right, and it's like, okay, so last season, I'm, I'm going to point this out because it's totally relevant. Um, so Nina and I are Indian, my husband is Chinese, and, like, he was, like, listening to us record an episode for last, uh, from last season where I kept, like, referring to the Asian kid. And he was like, what the hell, man? The Asian kid? And I'm like, it's not my fault. He doesn't have a name. The show never gave him a name. He's just, he's in a lot of episodes. You is know who he is? No, no, he's the Virgin's arch enemy. Oh, yeah. right. The Virgin, incidentally, his name is Bert. I can't believe oh. you dehumanized him like that. But like, oh, I'm sorry. Right? But the Bert Asian the kid does not have a name. And it's just like, give him a name, for God's sake. Um, also, also like with the redheaded kid, it's like, he has no lines. You don't need to give him a name. I don't even know why he's there. Just like make it so there's fewer kids there. Or ginger erasure. 
That's true. I'm sorry. This is the this isn't the '90s when ginger kids ran free all over the shows, <laughs> yeah. straight from Canadian broadcasting or whatever. There was like ten shows with redheaded leads, and then they were like all disappeared in the millennium. God, that's so true. I know it was a brunette takeover, all white, of course. But anyway, yeah. um, we digress. That was a digression. What was my point? Oh yeah, too many extras. But we're talking about Johnny and, and Danny and their uh, their dojo that has a lot of extras. But yeah, it's, it's so it's not really a blended approach, and it really couldn't be because you can even see that in the in the music cues. Like as soon as Daniel starts droning on about whatever he drones on, mindfulness about. mostly, right? Of... Exactly. Uh, maybe he would have a lot in common with Terry Silver, right? I'm sorry, I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> He's uh, just so much more interesting than everything else that happened in this episode. Or, like, in the world, really. But Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do like... I actually liked the, the Johnny-Daniel dynamic. I like that they weren't necessarily, like, at each other's throats so much as that they're just, like... They got different styles. Their styles don't jive. You get a lot of, like, romantic comedy tension, I think, is what yeah. I would call it. Where, like, you know... They're the odd couple, you know, Daniel wants his students to meditate. There's something that I noted. I I don't know if it's because we're in season four now, but, you know, I felt like they had that kind of odd couple energy in the second and third seasons, and it it was played for laughs, whereas in this season, it actually feels like we're fully circled around to they're in year three of a bitter divorce and custody (laughs) battle, and they can't stand the sight of each other. And they're just weary. They they're, have to share this dojo, but they're not happy about it. And I don't know if I really like that, to be honest. I mean, I thought it was funny just because they are in year three of this relationship. And, like, their playful banter has just... They're not angry so much as that they're just kind of like, shit, can we keep it together for the kids? Yeah, and, and I mean, they kind of make that parallel. or like I mean, that. yeah, they say it explicitly over and over again, like, we gotta keep it together for the kids. Um... You even have Miguel and Sam trying to parent track them. Because, you know, the way they approach the dojo is basically, like, the eagle fangs practice in the back. The Miyagi-Do is practice in the front. So they're, like, basically just two separate dojos leading separate lives in the same house. Um, so when uh, when Miguel tries to convince Johnny to reach out, like, uh, he knows the way to Johnny's heart. He references Rocky Three. I know. He knows the way to your heart, too. I mean, I did not think that we would get a Clubber Lang reference, but hey, Thank you know, you sometimes God gives with both hands. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like there's so many Rocky parallels. Um, God, wouldn't it be great if Dolph Lundgren showed up? Anyway, I, I, anyway, I digress. Don't dream too big. Look, I already got... A ton of You already wish. got pretty much every dream this coming This entire episode it. is Terry Silver wish fulfillment to the <laughs> max. But we're going to go back to dojo talk. So I like to notice a few stray observations. The random rock in Daniel's dojo will not go away. It exists to inflict pain on these children. And Daniel calls, or Johnny calls it out. Why is that there in a place that people practice karate? I mean, I feel like we're setting up for like Johnny questioning a lot of the stuff that we've questioned about Daniel's techniques like what the fuck about wheel technique it only applies to two people that know each other really well and, and happen to be attacked fucking. at the same time and are probably fucking yeah exactly um so I, I definitely like that i like that that you get to like lampshade a lot of like screwy things about miyagi Do. um you know the funny thing is that like despite being parent trapped despite um daniel going over to johnny's apartment with cores so that they like can talk it out and, like, bury, I don't know, not bury the hatchet, but, you know, like, work something out. 
they never really do work anything out. They really, like, they're just like, all right, we're going to split. We can't do this. And then the only thing that really brings them together is, like, at the end of the episode, it turns out, like, the students of Miyagi-Do and, Co- and not Cobra Kai, Eagle Fang, have decided to, to join forces to build, like, a, a cool outdoor sparring platform, like, which, like, apparently Mr. Miyagi's Yeah, but I guess like Amanda's it. like, yeah, I guess they're just, like, knocking down walls and shit. Why the house. hell not? And, like, and I, 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 as much as that's, like, okay, that's a little screwy, I do like that, like, it's not that Johnny and Daniel come to an understanding. It's that they're like, <sighs> like they came home, they're about to announce their divorce, but it turns out that their kids have like gotten so excited about like building a treehouse or whatever, and they're like, I guess we can keep this going another year. That's the kind of marriage this they, is. Yeah, they do look tired, but I, I'll also say like, I, I like that there are consequences to what happened last season, and that like Hawk, for example, we can get into the kind of teen mm-hmm. subplots. Hawk is not immediately for, forgiven or even really trusted or tolerated by the Miyagi-Do kids. I think rightfully so. Like, he did a lot of shit. He did a lot season. of shit. And I don't even know if I quite buy that he has an about face because he seemed so deep in that, I don't know. Right. It's just like he, if I recall correctly, he decided midway through that end of season fight that he was like okay this is this is like a bridge too far right it's like what what is a bridge too far what happened during this fight that is different than anything that you personally have done during this season like i thought when he broke didn't he break dimitri's arm or like at least yeah injure that it pretty happened. severely like oh, that's pretty bad man so it's a little bit like i i yeah i didn't quite get his about face i didn't know if it was earned i do like that like Hey, a lot of like the students here feel the same way. Like Johnny has the Eagle Fangs practice their front sweeps on him, which is probably good for them. And like the Miyagi Do kids are like, "Why the hell are you here?" I did think that like when he leaves, like you know, he steps out and he sees Daniel and is just like, "I just don't know if I have a place here." And Daniel's response, which oh, is just God. like, "Well, what did you expect? You burned pretty much all your bridges with everyone here." You know, sometimes. Uh, that was the one moment I was on Team Hawk because Daniel's, Daniel's such a petulant shit, you know? Like, he's an adult. He's in his 50s. And he will not let a goddamn thing Yeah, go. it's like he that's... He was like, you know, he yelled. He had like, he said like similar shit to Robbie. It's like, you're talking to actual children here. And yeah, yeah Hawk did some like real questionable shit. But you could have been like, you could have kicked him out from day one. You didn't. I don't know. It's a weird thing for yeah, Daniel to say. I mean, I love that he said it because it allows us to shit on Daniel a bit. But, like, I could imagine Dimitri saying that and he would be totally right. I could imagine, like, pretty much anyone, any of the teenagers saying that and being totally right. It's just weird where it's like Daniel's, like, you know, he's supposed to be, like, a teacher and an adult. I can't imagine Johnny saying that. I mean, now, I mean, after all these years, I, I'm starting to... Or however long we've been recording this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think it's intentional that, like, they're trying to say Daniel is a stunted teenager himself. Yeah. And he's he's emoti- he's triggered. I think someone like Hawk triggers him. To be fair, I mean, you're right. Not, not arguing with that. But, like, to be fair, Hawk did... He is, I think, the only person in, in the new Combined Dojo that was involved in, like, an attack on Daniel's house. Like, yeah. if you'll recall, like, he and the other Cobra Kais broke into the LaRusso house on Christmas and, like, vandalized it and tried to beat up all the kids inside, which is sort of like, um, 
there's a con- there's a couple conversations between Robbie and Tori in this episode where like you know Robbie is honestly like he 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 didn't take part in the attack and he's like what the hell were you thinking you're lucky that they didn't call the cops I mean the only reason they didn't is because they're afraid of like the PR nightmare for the dealership whatever fine I'm fine with that but like that was the most idiotic thing for Tori to do like she's trying to avoid getting thrown in juvie because like she takes care of like her mother and younger brother and and you actually trespassing is a crime and what honestly tori it's it's testament to how how like good the actress plays these emotions and the fact that she's a teenager so maybe it's believable but yeah that's the weird thing it's like he's right it's really stupid what she did but it's weird but it's like sam larusso becomes this like cipher for her to project uh i think a lot of like class resentment rightfully so perhaps Mm -hmm. But it's also like Sam is so boring that it's like it's not worth it, girl. Like seriously, like, you're gonna graduate in a year. You know, yeah, you can, pick a better nemesis, dude. Um, Sam might be like rich and you know protected, and you're gonna meet like 12 million people like this. You will meet so many people like Sam down the road, and it's like I, I like that she says to Robbie, and you're right. Despite her like. Uh, despite her doing something incredibly stupid, I didn't necessarily not believe that she would because, like, yeah, like the actress plays her quite rightfully is like she's a teenager, she does stupid shit, and like when Robbie brings up like these really pointy points, like you could have been arrested, dude. Like she basically responds by saying like, "Well, Sam gets everything she wants just by pouting," and one. I, I understand you didn't really answer anything that he was, like, saying. But, two, I get it. That's where your mind's at. And you're not necessarily wrong about that. And you're resentful Arguing about it. Arguing with teenagers is exhausting. Right? They just managed to just kind of, like, circumvent whatever you were talking about and say, well, she sucks. And then you're I like, mean, she does suck. Part of <laughs> me thinks Tori is so angry because she's just... Uh, she's surrounded by, like, six people now. Like, one of them is Crease, who's her, I guess, benefactor? And then you have Kyler, who's... Oh, who's really, who only has a few lines, but, but they're all talks goals. about how ASU is the Harvard of the West Coast. Not true, oh, by the way. My um, God, so good. Um, yeah, Kyler. I'm just so glad to see him. I'm so glad that he's here and a part of this show and being the Asian bully with a name that we've always loved and wanted. Like he he has that line about ASU. He basically like just kind of like swaggers around in his scenes, like being an asshole and he does it so well something i noticed is that everyone at cobra kai has a white belt on including robbie and tori who are very good at karate yes and so are they like operating within a different belt system they're beyond belts can someone please write in because i'm like if you're a white belt then we've all been (laughs) then my orange belt means nothing you know belts are for cucks they don't need (laughs) they don't need belts white belts are for cucks you and if you if you were honestly a badass, well, I felt supremacy. Sorry, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I maintain. For example, Terry Silver did not have a belted rope. He let that thing flow freely. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> okay, um, but you, since you said you'd check me if I got into my little Terry Silver, sorry, Terrence Silver reveries. I don't know if you can be checked at this point. <laughs> um, okay, let's get into Robbie because we actually get... We get some actually... He cut his hair, Lotha. Yeah, he did cut his hair. And I wrote in my notes, do I like him better because he cut his hair? Am I that shallow? And I think the answer is yes. 
I mean, he didn't cut his hair that much, dude. But he cut it enough because there was a flashback, and I like recoiled instantly. <laughs> I, it's just that extra inch. But I honestly, guess. Robbie as a character, he's the most likable he's ever been yeah. at the top of the season. I find it a little weird. We were like commending him because he has that scene with Crease. Where he's like, yo, bro, like, actually, I'm not joining your dojo. I'm just looking for a place to crash. Yeah, and it's a nice, like, walking back of, like, you know, in the season finale of the third season, he's basically like, join us. Cobra Kai is the way. He's like a Robbie robot. Um, And I like that, like, I think the show realized, like, wait, come on now. He was, like, just a part of Miyagi-Do. He's, like, not, like... Was he on cocaine too? I mean, it's, it's like I need an explanation for the way Robbie was. At right, because I, I think what he says is pretty much like, "Uh, dude, you know, I need the place to crash," and also like, I, I didn't say I was going to join Cobra Kai, and like, um, you know, and I don't want to be your pawn. Chris has a great thing because Chris is always like living in a different movie than everyone else, and he's just like, "Is he?" Is okay. I need to know where is Chris living. I think I in mean, the dojo. Is he, is he like? Hiding his sleeping bag from Robbie? Like, is he... <laughs> I need to know. I'd like to think that with his superior uh, accounting prowess, he's found a way to siphon off some funds to play for, like, a living place. But who knows? I really think he's running out of money. I mean, that lip filler money is gone. <laughs> he had a very smart, like, jacket on. He was dressed amazingly. Where's his pea coat? I mean, oh, wow, all yeah. his, are his clothes, like, from Rent the Runway? Or, like... <laughs> He's back to homeless, Crease. Listeners, write in with your thoughts about Crease's economic status. I, he, yeah, like Johnny was running Cobra Kai, and he wasn't like living in a fancy place or wearing a pea coat. So I don't know. I don't know about Crease's life. I just love the look on Terry Silver's face when he saw that unknown and he heard Crease's voice because he was like, "Oh, it's my moocher friend." Yeah, it's my homeless friend. We all have right. a moocher friend from Nam. <laughs> Are you looking? Why are you looking at me? Um, Love the guys. Um, but uh, yeah, Chris does say this thing where he's like, "Robbie, I don't think of you as a pawn. I think of you as a king," which is just great. And it's like at this point, is nobody wise to Chris's bullshit yet? Right. Like absolutely nobody. I mean, yeah, I, like it seems like for a second, Robbie's just like, "Okay, you're a creepy man, and I don't really care about trophies." Like, dude, like I was just in juvenile hall. I got, like, no family. I don't really care about this. And I liked I liked that, like, sort of sensible Robbie. And I didn't even mind Robbie. Like, he gets a scene with, um... He gets a scene with Sam, too, in this episode. Oh, that was great. Yeah, like... Sam is... So, it's funny, because in this scene, like... Robbie is definitely in the wrong. He's being, like, cool... He's, he's being cool about it. He's like, you made a choice. Whatever. It's fine. You chose Miguel over me. And it's... Which is funny, because it's like... Sam, like, desperately tried to contact you when you were, like, in juvie and afterwards and you never returned her calls and then one day you randomly showed up at her house and Miguel was there and then you, like, went all Darth Vader on her. So it's just like, but you know what? Again, he's a teenager. What are you going to do? No, but, I mean, I think he's rightfully responding to the fact that apart from this scene, Sam has never shown any emotional honesty. Like, she came clean and she was like, yeah, it was more complicated. I had feelings for oh, both yeah. of you. And I, I like that what she said was that, like, I was so mad at you after, like, what happened in school and, like, what happened to Miguel, which is, like, she never said that, actually, in season three, but, like, that is realistic, you know? And you're right, maybe, that she has never really been upfront about, like, her feelings about all this and that and the other thing. That said, like, yeah, no, Robbie was, like, in the third season, unless we forget, like, he did, like, 
kind of paralyze a kid. That's Didn't true. seem to feel that bad about that so much as he felt bad later on that his girlfriend was talking to the paralyzed kid. Um, ex-girlfriend, because he'd never returned her calls for months. Right. I but mean, he, I'm you know. honestly just relieved to see the end of... I mean, I, maybe they'll do something interesting. Every season, we're like, maybe they'll do something interesting with Sam. I'm not holding my breath. I no. think I think this is, like, the most... She's uh, She's been able to own her actions, etc. But, like, even her scenes with Miguel, I realized, once again, Miguel got maybe a couple scenes, and he's just kind of like the happy-go-lucky sidekick. And given how much airtime was given to, like, Robbie, and Robbie had that, like, kind of cool showcase in Cobra Kai where he was kicking, you know, beating up everyone and for some reason for the mantle of Cobra Kai to, to, so get, that, to win the honor of being, like, Kreese's second hand. I guess, because it's like he's... I guess uh, the show does allude to the fact that, like, he's like their hawk. He wasn't, like, fighting with them, really, at, like, the big fight at, like, LaRusso's house. Um, I, I actually can't remember where he was. Maybe he was just, like, hanging out with Kreese at the time. Who knows? But, like... Um, and they're like, Ad, are you really one of us? And he just basically... It's just a chance for him to, like, showcase his karate skills, and they all come at him, and he takes them all down. And um, Tori, meanwhile, is kind of hanging back and watching with a look of, I would describe, extreme sexual arousal. Uh, fair. <laughs> I want to tell everyone, you know, there's life outside this dojo. There are other teens... There are other men. ...to date. But no, I don't think there are. But, like, yeah, so definitely that's how he secures his place um, there's a fun thing where it's like they're making a big deal about uh, like Johnny and Daniel joining forces and sharing their styles, but like you know it's like a fun reminder that like hey you know who else knows Miyagi Do karate is this kid and he can share it with all these Cobra Kai's, um, but it is kind of weird because throughout this episode like Robbie's been like aside from like his his thing with Sam, but even then he's not like losing his temper. He's pretty cool. He's been like pretty rational for Robbie. And so it's a little odd that at the end of the episode, he's decided he's like Mr. Cobra Kai. He's Kreese's second hand. Um, he's, he's doing this. It he's, would make more sense if Kreese is like, hey, if you want to live here, you got to go teach this class. And then he slowly like gets, I don't know, brainwashed into Cobra Kai right. or something. Because now it just seems like uh, you said you, you made this big passionate statement about staying neutral and now you're kind of yeah or just that like you have more important things to worry about than this tournament which is true i mean you're also essentially homeless right now but uh yeah so i i think it would actually you're right it would have made more sense if it's like well if you want to keep mooching off of me kid just as i i mooch off of terry silver you're gonna have to earn your keep how many episodes do you think before him and tori become a thing like one. I mean, <laughs> come on. So this was the episode, huh? Tori's looking at him, like, kicking other, everybody else's ass, and she's just like, yes. Jesus Christ. I mean, give Tori something to do. Like, I think it's a sad waste of her character for her to have so many feelings about Sam. Like, Sam is just, Sam, just a but, blank canvas. Yes, but Sam represents a lot of things to Tori, which, like, I kind of like. I kind of see that's realistic, and that, like... I mean, one, Sam, like, dated both of the guys that, like, Tori is interested in. But, like, Again, there are other guys. You think so, but there aren't. I mean, who's she going to date, that ginger kid who doesn't even I have mean, a name? I mean, she's going to the skate park to loiter every day. You you can't date another skater. There's, like, nine other guys. Probably Tori, look exactly Tori needs like a man who can, like, throw a roundhouse kick, okay? Oh, God. I mean, if, if karate really is sweeping the valley, then, again, she should be able to find that. But... 
Anyway, yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be, it's going to be if maybe, I'm going to say three episodes. I'm just wondering, is would anyone care if they got together, though? Because Sam has moved on. Miguel doesn't care. Yeah, no, nobody would really care. I mean, to be honest, like... This isn't like warring families or anything, so... Yeah, they're both in Cobra Kai. I don't know. Um, they're both, like, rejects of, of the people who are now dating each other. Why not? You crazy kids. If you can make it work, sure. Um, yeah. I, I've always found, like, Robbie to be, like... His motivations are always kind of like, what are you even doing right now? Um, but, hey, I, for most of this episode, I kind of got where he was coming from, which is unusual. One thing we haven't talked about is um, Johnny cooking a lovely meal for Carmen <laughs> and family. Um, his, his apartment's looking nicer. He's... He's upping his culinary skills. Yeah, he got recipes off and the chilies somehow, website. I mean, maybe we're completely wrong about this, but it really seems like Miguel is in the dark about Carmen and him dating, which it's is shocking crazy. because why would they be over there for dinner? Why did he make them, like, all this food? And, like, it's it seems, like, obvious that he's, like, playing stepfather here and that he and Carmen are dating. But then, like, Miguel uh, starts talking about um, him trying to hook up with Allie. The long shadow of Allie Mills. Right. And, like, you know, and, like, Johnny's like, shut up. Don't let my spot. And I'm like, I was honestly just like, wait, Miguel doesn't know that you guys are dating? Or does he know? And is he trying to, like, sabotage? No. No, Miguel. No, he's not trying to do that. He's just No, talking. but, I mean, maybe he's just retelling the grand story of, like, I don't know, yeah. like that, the epic love triangle. Yeah, I guess he is, and he's, he's truly coming from a place of ignorance that his sensei's boning his mom, which, you know, I guess... And Carmen's feeling insecure and decides to slow things down, which I wasn't sure, like, how fast they were moving to begin with. It just seems like they've hooked up a few times, and I Didn't think... Didn't he tell her he loved her? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of all over the place. I don't know, dating's weird, guys. Dating is weird. Um, one thing that's always been... Like, a lot of the tension you would think would be, like, with Miguel, like, oh my god, like, you're dating his teacher and, like, the most important figure in his life. But Miguel doesn't really seem to be bothered by that. Like, did Miguel know they were dating before? I think so. If we're wrong about this, please tell us. But I don't feel like you'd bring up Allie if you were, like, I I think Miguel's, like, a pretty smart, sensitive kid. And I, I just... Yeah, and he's not, like... This wouldn't be a smart move. Right, and, like, he doesn't seem like he's out to torpedo a potential relationship between his mom and Johnny. Does he know that, like, they kind of, like, dated in the past? This is gonna haunt me. I, yeah, I, because I kind of think he does, but he's, like, just the nicest kid in the universe and is, like, cool about it, like, whatever makes them happy. Anyway. Do you feel like Carmen and and Johnny's relationship is gonna go the distance? I think that it will in this show, but... She doesn't have... A personality of her no, own. No, not really. She's I just... I mean, it just can't be mom. I'm sorry. Being a mom is great and everything, but, like... She seems like a very... Name one other thing. Yeah, she seems like a very nice lady. Um, yeah, like, she's nice, and she is sometimes the voice of reason, but, like, Amanda does the voice of reason thing better because you can tell she's being the voice of reason while, like, drinking a gigantic glass of wine. Right. Ama- I mean, we're watching for Amanda slide into alcoholism this right. season. Yeah. We're she- AA meetings, we're there, front yeah. row center. She's she's very entertaining, I've always thought. But, like, Miguel's mom is just nice. And I don't, like, I, even now I'm, like, just calling her Miguel's mom. Her name is Carmen, but you just kind of think of her as, like, 
Miguel's no, gone. it is with great reluctance that I'm going to have to retract my my season three theory that Terry Silver is Miguel's dad. Hey, I don't have... you retract that. I was just coming around to that theory. What? No, I'm kidding. Obviously, <laughs> I wasn't. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, Nina. There's a moment when um, Miguel's grandmother reminds us all that Miguel and his family are are, they're Ecuadorian. They're not Mexican. And ordinarily, I wouldn't like make much of that. But like, wasn't your whole crackpot theory based on something about Terry Silver being yeah fucking around from fucking around in South America? Oh, it's just South America generally. It's not Ecuador. Well, they didn't say he Terry Silver. We've Sorry, but <laughs> Karate Kid 3 didn't spend a lot of time talking about what Terry Silver did when he wasn't cackling in dojos and, and invading discotheques, okay? I imagine we he never was attending s- board meetings for Dynatox, but... We, we never saw all the lines of coke he did in the bathroom <laughs> of that discotheque. We certainly didn't see him jet off to Ecuador to dump toxic waste. <laughs> that poor country. Sure. I mean, I will be disappointed if we don't exact... If we don't even get a scene of him in the boardroom at Dynatox. I want okay? to hear more about Dynatox. I'm fascinated by this. Um, that Wikipedia entry said that he did his master's thesis well, on environmental justice. Of course. No, I mean, Terry Silver's Wikipedia entry is the most amazing thing. And I love this show. I love that uh, Grace is reminding um, Terry Silver the reason they started Cobra Kai, in case you guys didn't know, is they came home from Nam. And all the hippies were calling them killers after they'd watched good men die. And they started Cobra Kai to, like, you know, teach discipline and strength and toughness and all that. And it's like, when in all of this did Terry Silver start Dynatox? Tell me more about this and get his master's in environmental (laughs) justice. What? I mean, 30 years is a long time. And we know that he took advantage of the GI Bill to go and get himself some education. It all fits. You you know what? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You're right. The GI Bill brings it all together. Um, But that has always been like a a wonderful fascination about Terry Silver, that he can be this apparently successful businessman, unlike Kreese, who like the moment you see Kreese, you're like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? Yeah. He, like Terry Silver passes for like a sophisticated gentleman, but he can also be sneaking into teenagers' houses and like... The thing is, it was the 80s. Everyone was on coke. Yeah, that's a good point. Or so I've heard. Mm Mm-hmm. We were sadly very young. I know. We were too young to do coke. But Damn it's it. not it's not too But I've seen Wall Street. I mean, I know what's up. Yeah, we're we're cool. You we're had hip. to do a line of coke to even close a deal. Or make a trade or whatever yeah. whatever happens there. Yeah. Trading and passing and whatever. We else. should watch Karate Kid Three again, but after doing Coke. <laughs> I think the layers okay. would become very clear. <laughs> Yes, I love it. We'll we'll put our drug, sex, and profanity label on this pod. Podbean lets us get his, get away with everything, guys. It's, there's no rules. It's true. Um, okay, stray observations. Anything else? I mean, I think my theme of exes works pretty well. Yeah, like that's yeah. what this episode should have been called instead of "Let's Begin." Dimitri and Eli. Mm-hmm. Are we calling him Hawk or Eli? Because he, he's back to, he's technically still Hawk. He's still Hawk. He's still got the, the Mohawk and stuff like that. So yeah, you got, you got your Dimitri and Hawk thing. Dimitri's way more forgiving than I would be. He's like actually the only member of the dojo that seems like pretty, pretty cool with Hawk being there. He like 
looks over Hawk's plan for building, like, a new sparring platform and, like, praises its physics or whatever. Like, I'm actually pretty surprised. Well... Maybe Dimitri feels bad that he, like, told the entire school that Eli, like, was a bedwetter. Maybe maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it's because they've had multiple things on each side, but yeah. all right. You know whose presence I really miss in this episode? Stingray. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, Daniel's character, like, obviously we bash him all the time, but it, it's amusing to see Daniel interact with someone that annoys him. Um, and so I wanted that to be Stingray, like a training sequence where he's forced to forced to make Stingray the return good. of Stingray. Sure, for Sting- the under thirty five All Valley Karate Championship. Stingray is obviously on the lam since, like, I think he just like assaulted a bunch of children, like I mean, during he was the high never school fight season two. An employee, I don't think <laughs> that makes it worse, not better. <laughs> um, All right, okay. Should we get into the ratings? Let's, Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. Ready. All right. You want me to go first? Go ahead. All right. Um, I really like this episode. Maybe I just missed everybody so much. And, of course, the Terry Silverness of it all. I give it four out of five pieces of tofu that Cheyenne offers Grease. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I also really love this episode for obvious reasons. Um, you like are it. a single-issue voter, but go, go on. It's the most important issue. <laughs> and... You know when you don't realize you've missed something until it's right in front of you? I mean, all of the other characters just sort of fall away for me. All I see is the Lux condo, that piano, and one Terry Silver missing his ponytail. But a silver fox, if you will. A silver fox, indeed. So I'm going to give it four out of five screened calls from Greece. Because <laughs> that was cold. That was ice cold. Ice cold. Um, okay. Should we close that? Oh, wait. Uh, I'm gonna do our... I never do this, but we actually have a Twitter account, people. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's a thing. We post, like, once every six months, but hey, we're in studio, and we will be posting... It's mostly Nina making really thirsty posts about Terry Silver, but hey. I mean, you can tell us what our social media target should be. I've said it's gonna be Terry Silver, (laughs) and getting that man to follow us back, um... But you can follow us at Kai underscore cast or write to us at Cobra Kai Never Dies cast at gmail.com. Please, no spoilers. We're on the journey, much like Cheyenne. That's right. And, and as always, listeners, strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. mercy.